July 1993, a senior White House official is found dead in a park overlooking the Potomac River, a bullet wound through his mouth. Soon, a torn up suicide note is found in the bottom of his briefcase. Here, wrote Deputy White House Counsel Vince Foster in the last moments of his life, ruining people is considered sport. Foster's suicide was a personal tragedy. It soon emerged that he had been profoundly depressed for months. But it also spawned a cottage industry of conspiracy theories about dark plots that somehow implicated Hillary Clinton, fanned principally by a little-known journalist who would later go on to become one of Donald Trump's best friends. Those conspiracy theories gained considerable traction for a while. A former FBI director even seemed to endorse them until they were thoroughly debunked in a report written by a young lawyer working for Whitewater Independent Counsel Ken Starr. That lawyer, later a judge, is now on Trump's shortlist for the Supreme Court. We'll look back at the death of Vince Foster and the key role played by a pair of characters very much still with us on today's Buried Treasure. I'm Michael Isikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. You know, Dan, I was very much involved in the early reporting on the death of Vince Foster. And I have to say, some of my reporting probably fanned a lot of these conspiracy theories. Uh, Right after Foster's death, the Park Police was the lead investigative agency because this was Fort Marcy Park in Northern Virginia. Uh, it uh, It was park police territory. And the park police guys on the case wanted to understand what drove Foster to his death. They pretty quickly concluded it was suicide. But why? Why would a senior White House official take his own life? And they wanted access to Foster's office, the documents in Foster's office. Was there uh, something that was going on in his life, going on with the work he was doing for then President Bill Clinton that drove him to his death? And the White House chief counsel, Bernie Nussbaum, wouldn't let the park police guys look at the stuff in Foster's office. They blocked Uh, He blocked them from getting access. And those park police cops were pissed off. I tracked down one of them late at night, just a couple of nights after Foster's death. And uh, the cop unloaded, told how he was being blocked from from doing his job, wrote it up for the post. Uh, It was included in a big front page story. uh, Lead byline was uh, Anne Devroy. And that in and of itself helped uh, fan the flames that uh, there might be something dark going on that led to Foster's death. Yeah, and it, it, look, it was, a, I'm sure, a totally legitimate story. Um, uh, all conspiracy theories have some kernel of, of truth uh, that, that gives them you know, oxygen, and, and it's what people do with the information um, and what happens to those theories uh, and how people won't let them go uh, that is the problem. And, um, you know, this was fake news before we called it fake news. And it's a right. reminder of the sort of enduring power of conspiracy theories. Um, and that that was before social media, which today 
uh, you know, really gives these uh, these crazy stories um, uh, traction. And it, you know, you know exactly. And and I, I should point out another nugget in my early reporting that helped fan the flames was uh, there were uh, message slips uh, that uh, I learned about of phone calls that were made to Foster in the uh, last day of his life. And one of them was from a Denver lawyer named Jim Lyons, who had been the campaign lawyer for the Clintons, who was handling the Whitewater matter which was being resurrected that summer uh, by folks who thought that uh, the Justice Department needed to reopen an investigation into the uh, uh, failed savings and loan owned by Jim McDougal, Bill and Hillary Clinton's longtime business partner. So the fact that Foster was in communication with somebody directly involved in the Whitewater matter was a another little piece of information that really uh, uh, helped uh, spawn these uh, conspiracy theories. And the guy, we should, I should just point out, the guy I'm, I was referring to in that cold open, uh, who was the principal conspiracist, was this young, obscure reporter for the New York Post named Christopher Ruddy who made this, uh, the Foster case, his, uh, he, he obsessed over it. He wrote constantly over it. He suggested that there was more to Foster's death uh, and that he might actually have been murdered. And that just took off. Well, uh, let's, I want to get into the, the, the conspiracy theory itself. But before we do that, you also mentioned um, a a lawyer um, who uh, uh, was involved in, in investigating um, the Vince Foster suicide and is now on President uh, President Trump's short list uh, to be um, uh, Supreme Court uh, to be his Supreme Court justice nominee. Um, who was that? That was Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> yes, um, somebody very much in the news right someone now. Someone very much in the news right now, who we know uh, uh, well from from back in the '90s when he was. Um, in in, uh, uh, in investigating the Clinton administration, um, and his uh, part of his uh, sort of brief uh, for Ken Starr, the independent counsel, was to reinvestigate uh, the death of Vince Foster, which had already been investigated by five separate uh, government agencies, all of which found that he committed suicide. And then Brett, uh, le- Brett, Brett Kavanaugh led this team of investigators that included forensic experts, medical doctors, pathologists, FBI agents, uh, to uh, to to uh, you know finally uh, make a con- conclusive uh, judgment about what happened. And and what right. do they conclude? That to a one hundred percent degree of medical certainty, according right. to one of the doctors on this team, Foster's death was a suicide. Yeah, and look, the forensic evidence was so overwhelmingly compelling. Uh, uh, the uh, he was shot with a thirty-eight caliber uh, revolver that he owned that was a family gun. Uh, There was gunshot residue on his hand. Uh, He was uh, clutching the revolver when he was found dead in in Fort Marcy Park. Uh, He had been suffering from depression. He had actually uh, gotten a medical prescription for 
for some uh, drugs to help with his depression just a few days before. So, you know, the evidence was overwhelming. But Ruddy, (laughs) the conspiracist, kept churning stuff out. Uh, It appeared in newspaper ads. He was financed by this right-wing philanthropist, Richard Mellon Scaife, uh, who took out uh, republished uh, newspaper ads uh, of uh, Ruddy's writings, uh, uh, arguing that there was some sort of conspiracy. At the end of the day, uh, Ruddy writes a book. It's called The Strange Death of Vince Foster. It came out in 1997. Um, and um, he kind of retreated a bit in the book from uh, the idea that this was a murder. Instead, he tried to argue that somehow uh, the body was moved that Foster didn't really die in the park. He died someplace else, uh, although he was never quite able to explain um, who moved his body, uh, much less why they would have moved his body. And, you know, you mentioned uh, in the open uh, that Christopher Ruddy uh, was a uh, is a friend of um, and sometimes advisor to uh, President Clinton. Uh, sorry, President, uh, President uh, pre- Trump. President Trump. Yeah. And um, y- you know, one reason that these conspiracy theories uh, live on is because people with big megaphones uh, and big platforms, um, you know, uh, breathe life into them. And that happened uh, with uh, with Donald Trump in two thousand. I think in May of two thousand sixteen, when he was already the presumptive. Uh, Republican uh, nominee, um, and he s- told the Washington Post in an interview with them that uh, there are the the theories of foul play involving uh, Vin- Vince Foster's death are very serious, and the circumstances of his of his death are very fishy. Um, and you know, there, there's just <laughs> I, I I had forgotten that part, uh, but um, and it was it it suited it, it's I don't know if he believes that I doubt he believes that, but it suited his uh, political needs. He he's the he's he's the conspiracy theorist in chief, but he's also the troller in chief. And at the time, you know, he was trolling the Clintons and talking about the Clinton scandals because he's running against uh, Hillary Clinton, and that. Um, uh, served his political needs at, at the time. Well, look, I mean, the guy is a complete conspiracy theorist. Let's not forget uh, the role that uh, Ted Cruz's father played in the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Uh, let's not forget the birther nonsense about uh, President Obama back in, um, uh, in in the spring of 2011 when, uh, uh, when Trump was really fanning the flames of that one. So here is a, we have a president who, is addicted to conspiracy theories. That's the way his mind works. That's the way uh, he um, he thinks. And the Foster case is almost a, it just it, it's a classic of conspiracy theorizing because you know as I pointed out there were there was there was and as you pointed out there's always a few you know tidbits, a few nuggets that give rise to these conspiracy theories. The fact that the Park Police investigators couldn't get access to his office. Um, uh, The the fact that he had had this uh, last minute phone call from the Whitewater guy, but there was more. But before before you get to that, it's just it's important to point out that 
yes, it is true that the park police couldn't get access to the office. But what what uh, you know, I'm not sure if it got reported at the time. I assume it did. Uh, there there are plausible explanations for why. I mean, you know, the, the White House counsel, his job um, or her job is to make sure that, uh, you know, attorney client privilege is protected, executive privilege is protected. You don't just let law enforcement come in and rummage through an office. Now, they had a legitimate reason, but that was why Bernie Nussbaum uh, did not allow them to come in. And of course, that fueled uh, suspicion and, uh, right. and and these conspiracy theories. And I should point out, you know, suspicions not just by the Christopher Ruddies of the world. I mean, uh, some about a month or so after this, uh, I interviewed the then Deputy Attorney General, Phil Hyman, uh, a Clinton appointee, and he was concerned about uh, – Nussbaum's role in blocking uh, investigators trying to look at uh, what was in Foster's office. And at one point, he actually calls up Nussbaum and says, Bernie, are you hiding anything? So even at the highest levels of the Justice Department, there were concerns that there might be something more out there. And of course, it later emerged in uh, a Senate testimony brought out by the chief counsel to the Senate Watergate Committee, a guy by the name of Michael Chertoff, who later went on to um, uh, greater things, uh, that documents were in fact removed from Foster's office the night of his death. Maggie Williams, the uh, chief of staff to then Hillary Clinton, there was testimony she had gone in and removed some of these documents. Um, What those documents most likely related to was the White House travel office affair, the firing of White House travel office employees um, because people inside the Clinton White House, uh, Hillary Clinton among them, wanted to replace those the, the chief of the travel office with some political cronies from Arkansas, or at least a political crony from Arkansas was urging that they be fired so somebody else from Arkansas could get the job. So, you know, there was stuff going on. Um, but on the core matter of the circumstances of Foster's death, um, there was never any question uh, yeah. to those of us who reported on it that okay. this was a, a suicide. So, Isikoff, since we're uh, bringing up all these uh, uh, great names from the past, uh, from, the, from yeah. the Clinton era, Maggie Williams, uh, uh, Bernie Nussbaum, <laughs> Mike Chertoff, right. uh, we cannot get through this uh, buried treasure without mentioning a particular member of Congress who you will remember well. So don't say the name yet, but this is someone who ran his own forensic uh, experiment to prove his theory that uh, Vince Foster was was murdered. Uh, Who who was that? Uh, Dan Burton, the the Republican chairman of the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee, who was convinced that uh, uh, there was more to Foster's death and he may well and and that he might have been murdered. And to test his theories out, uh, he shot a watermelon in his backyard. Okay, all right. Wait a second. I've got 
breaking news on this story. So it turns out, so he was dubbed Watermelon Dan because right. he, he, I think, in his backyard, he sh- he uh, fired right. a w- weapon at this at this uh, watermelon apparently. But that turned right, right. out. And, but and wait Dan, a second, Dan, Dan Burton was the Devin Nunes of his time. Exactly, exactly. But that turned out to be fake news, and a talented Washington Post reporter debunked the watermelon conspiracy theory, and it was not you, okay? So bear with me. I'm going to hey, read. Where was I? All right. I don't know where you were, but, <laughs> but, but someone, someone yeah. who you know well scooped you. Okay, I'm going to read this account from the Washington Post. Um, I guess this is back in like 1997 or something. Many accounts of the incident say Burton used a, a pumpkin. Others say it was a watermelon. But a former aide to the congressman assures the sleuth that Burton used a cantaloupe to try to disprove Foster's suicide, which makes sense since the melon is much closer to the size of a human head than either a watermelon or a pumpkin. <laughs> the sleuth. Yes, who, the sleuth. Yes. Won Marianne Akers, the uh, your better half, Mrs. Mrs. Michael Isakoff. Much, much better half. She doesn't actually prefer to be uh, uh, described that way as uh, uh, Mrs. Michael Isikoff. She is a journalist in her own right. She's downstairs as we speak um, uh, preparing lunch uh, for the post-buried treasure uh, meal. Um, uh, well, I, I, I had totally forgotten about that, but uh, she'll be thrilled that you've uh, uh, brought her into the equation of the uh, of uh, conspiracy land here. Hey, uh, one one thing you mentioned to me uh, that the there was an interesting person who was apparently the last person in the in the Clinton White House to actually see ah uh, yes Vince Foster, which I thought was an interesting detail. So who was that? Yes. Uh, it was a secretary in the White House Counsel's Office uh, back in 1993 by the name of Linda Tripp. Linda Tripp, who uh, later turned the world on to Monica Lewinsky and her relationship with Bill Clinton leading to Clinton's impeachment. It is fascinating that um, uh, the Vince Foster case um, really was so much a part of the political ether back then in the 90s. And uh, it it is worth pointing out that Brett Kavanaugh, uh, uh, you know, uh, working for Ken Starr, a traditionalist who believes in facts, not conspiracies um, is the guy who did more than anything else to debunk them because he prepared that report for uh, uh, for Starr that finally put the nail in the coffin of the Vince Foster conspiracy theories. And um, we may be talking a lot about uh, Brett Kavanaugh in the days to come. So I guess this feeds the theory that if you dig hard enough, you'll find that every scandal, every conspiracy theory is somehow connected. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Buried Treasure. Don't forget, you can subscribe to Skullduggery on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And tell us what you think. Leave a review. We'll talk to you soon. Buried Treasure.